Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always does, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey, Chris Paulette. Why do you always introduce me second? Because otherwise I'd be going, hi, and... Um, Jonathan Strickland's here, and I'm Chris Paulette. <laughs> yes. We, we, I had a, a listener ask why I was always listed second, and it's just because we kind of settled on this routine, and uh, once you get a routine, it makes you feel nice and comfortable. You don't really want to leave that. Yes. And so, when I um, tried just a minute ago, I got lots and lots of giggles. Yeah, yeah, because it just didn't work. Um, rest assured, faithful listeners, uh, I am not offended or hurt in any way that I am listed second. Uh, the fact that I pretty much chatter all over Chris whenever he tries to say anything, uh, I think he needs, I think he needs top billing. Oh, please. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into the topic. Yes, we should. Yes, we will. What we're going to talk about today comes to us courtesy of a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Jackie and Jackie had a nice mail uh, message it was is fairly long. So I'm just going to cut it to the chase here and says, uh, I had a topic that I was wondering about. How does the Wii remote actually work? I know it has something to do with the sensor, but that's it. Looking ahead to future podcasts, I can't see any that appear to cover this topic and think that it would make an interesting podcast. Jackie, we agree. So we're going to talk about how the Wii remote works. And we've talked a little bit about the Wii Remote in the past when we were chatting about the, you know, the different uh, video game interfaces. But we really wanted to dig in and talk about what it is that makes the Wii Remote tick, uh, how how it works, and um, kind of some of the neat things that people are doing with the Wii Remote that perhaps Nintendo didn't really intend. Yeah, that's uh, it's funny because the. Uh the pieces that make up the Wii Remote, um, actually one of the things that people talked about a lot when the Nintendo uh, Wii first hit the shelves was the fact that, um, you know, people who, who were detracting from the machine said, well, you know, they didn't use any of the high-tech, custom, cutting-edge components that uh, some of the other manufacturers use. Uh, but that sort of works in uh, – well, it works in Nintendo's favor in one regard because it keeps the cost of the console down. Exactly. But um, as it turns out, these components are also uh, prized by hackers, people who like to take stuff apart and do other things with it. I've seen many projects uh, cataloged in the, the pages of Make Magazine and, and YouTube and some of the other places where people have messed around with it. Um, and it's really – the Wii Remote is a hodgepodge of different parts um, that basically take your movements and interpret them in a way that the uh, console can understand and allow you to play the games. Right. So let's kind of talk about the different parts that are inside your Wii Remote, assuming you have one. Okay. All right. So if you were to take your Wii Remote apart, here's where we say, do not take your Wii Remote apart. People have done this for you. You don't need to do it yourself. And if you do do it, Chances are you won't get it back together again. Mm-hmm. But if you were to take it apart, first you would notice that uh, it's held together by some pretty wacky screws. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the screws are proprietary. It's a Nintendo design. Um, and it's designed in such a way, it's kind of this weird sort of triangular three prong thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's designed in such a way so that it is not easy to remove this, those screws. Although you can find screwdrivers out there, especially for Nintendo repair kits, uh, that, that do have the right, um, the right head on the screwdriver so mm-hmm. that you can remove them. Uh, it's held together by about four screws and a couple of clips. And once you get that apart, that's it. That's the only thing holding this, this dilibob together. <laughs> and we're talking about the main Wii remote here, not the nunchuck or anything like that. Right, not the uh, the Motion Plus. Right, not the Motion Plus either, right. So once you get that apart, you would be essentially looking at a plastic casing, two halves of a plastic casing. Yes. And a circuit board with lots of uh, little you know, microprocessors attached to it. You'd see a speaker there. You'd see some buttons. Yes. Um, you would also see a little motor that would be attached to one, to the, uh, the upper side of the Wii remote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that motor, I'll just get that out of the way first. That's pretty simple. That's the motor that, uh, uh, creates the rumble feel that you get whenever you have one of those, uh, the force feedback moments. Yeah, it's similar to the kind that you'd find in a cell phone right. uh, that you use for the vibrate mode. Yeah, it's essentially a little uh, off-center rotating cylinder in there that rotates, and that's what causes the, the rumble motion. And it pretty much just has an on and an off mode. That's about it. Though you can make it feel like more of a of a, a vibration sensation uh, if you turn it on and off at, a, at certain frequencies. Mm-hmm. That can actually make it feel like it's a more intense or less intense rumbling. But, uh, like we said, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a binary function. It's either a zero or a one, on or off. Yep. Um, actually, uh, Jonathan and I were, were, when we were doing research for this, we found a great article in, uh, the IEEE's Pervasive Technology Magazine from, uh, Johnny Chung Lee. Uh, I can highly recommend it if you're really interested in hacking this, but this is where we found a lot of our information and he gets into lots and lots of detail. Uh, he was a doctoral student at Carnegie Mellon University and is now, uh, Part of Microsoft's team, I believe. Uh, he has a pretty cool blog out there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there, we, we got some really, really good details on, on this. And, um, should we get into the individual components? Yeah. Want to talk about that. those? Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing, uh, you know, a lot of people think about is that, uh, three axis accelerometer. Oh, that's yeah. inside the, the machine. And, right. um, analog devices is the uh, company that created that. Yep. Yep. And, uh, Basically, you'd find these in other all kinds of other technologies too. They're they're pretty common these days. Yeah, they're, uh, they're cell getting phones more and more common and, lots uh, of things. Yeah, you know the iPod and iPhone and I'm right. assuming this, iPad. These are the computers. sort of uh, these are the sort of sensors that allow the devices to know which way they are oriented. So, like for instance, an uh, iPhone or an iPod Touch, it would tell it that it's uh, whether it's in landscape or or portrait mode. Mm-hmm. So the screen would flip accordingly. Uh, same sort of thing, except in this case, this the accelerometer is helping the um, the Wii uh, figure out wh- what the orientation is of the uh, Wii remote itself. So the pitch, the yaw, the roll, um, as you move it around, yaw. this is yaw. I love that word. It's yeah. It's one of the. Uh, this is one of the th- ways that the Wii detects how you're holding the Wii remote and thus can uh, interpret your actions within a game or, or you know a menu system or whatever. It's just one of the ways, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's the one that that got a lot of press early on. And uh, I, I read one review where it was kind of interesting, where they're talking about taking apart the Wii remote mm-hmm. and finding just a tiny bit of disappointment that there weren't actual tiny little gyroscopes in there <laughs> to indicate the because uh, gyroscope is a, a you know that's a a good old way of figuring out the 
um, the orientation of a, uh, of any sort of surface, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what we, what NASA uses in a lot of its, uh, the, the early spacecraft were gyroscopes to, to be able to make adjustments to the pitch and yaw. But no, no, this is just a, a little electronic chip that essentially does the same thing. It uses a, you know, it, it detects different changes in fields. So, um, but it's, there is no actual little moving gyroscope inside your yeah. Wii remote. Yeah. No gyroscopes, no jacks, no tinker toys, you know, no, um, <laughs> sorry, I got off track there. Um, but there is an IR camera, an infrared camera, um, manufactured by Pixart imaging. Um, that's got a, a multi-object tracking engine in it. Uh, it can even, it can keep track of four simultaneous infrared light sources. Yeah, now this is what allows you to do lots of really cool hacking tricks, which we'll get mm-hmm. into a little bit later. But you, if you're like me, you might be a little surprised. Uh, I was thinking that it'd be an IR sensor. Yeah. Right? Not, yeah. not, not a, or not, not a sensor. I'm sorry. An IR emitter. Right. And that the sensor itself would be on your television. You know, that you have a sensor bar that you put above the TV. As it turns out, it doesn't really sense. No, it, it's emitting. Yes. Um, so it turns out that the, uh, that it's swapped around, right? I yeah. thought, cause That's when exactly you think of like a, a remote control, when you press a button, you think, oh, I'm sending a signal to the television or to the, you know, whatever the cable box and that the cable box is a receiver. And so, uh, that's how that's working. No, it's the other way around with the Wii remote. The, the remote itself is the sensor and the sensor bar is actually the, uh, transceiver. It's transmitter actually, mm-hmm. not transceiver, but a transmitter. Right. Um, so you've got uh, at the end of your Wii remote, this sensor that detects, uh, infrared, um, signals. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, we'll get into it, but that's kind of the uh, secret behind Wii hacks and why the Wii remote has become very, uh, a very useful tool for hackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? It's got uh, four little blue LEDs in there. Tell you whether you're a player one, two, three, or four. Right. Uh, the buttons, of course, are on little sensors. So yeah. every time you press a button, that activates the sensor. And, and the, uh, when you get down to the point of taking a Wii remote apart, um, there are a lot of buttons there. It's uh, 12 buttons total, and mm-hmm. four of those would be the direction pad. Now, a lot of people just think of the direction pad as a single unit, nope. mm-hmm. but yeah, technically it's four buttons. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, it's got an expansion port. It's got the, yeah. It's got the port for the the nunchuck uh, or, plug or, or Wii Motion Plus or Wii Motion. Plus. Uh, yeah, it's a proprietary uh, six pin plug. Right. That's uh, Nintendo's own. It's got memory. Um, yes, it does have memory. Uh, it's got uh, 5.5 kilobytes of uh, onboard uh, flash memory, which mm-hmm. is good for storing your Mii if you're going to take your uh, Mii with you as you go to a friend's house to play. Right. Um, just a little bit of information there. It doesn't, it doesn't store lots and lots of data. Right. There's the, the speaker. We mentioned that earlier. Yes. So mm-hmm. that you actually can get sound out of the Wii remote. So if you're playing something like a Star Wars game and you – Fire up that lightsaber, you get the nice little wow, wow noises coming straight from your controller and not from necessarily just the TV. Um, and uh, it has a Bluetooth chip. Yes, it does have a Bluetooth which chip. Which is another reason why hackers like it so much because it makes it easy to connect to various PC uh, programs that have a, a Bluetooth-enabled um, uh component. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's the Broadcom 2042 chip. Um it's uh it's not 100% human interface design compliant. 
which means you might, if you are going to try hacking the Wii Remote yourself, um, you're going to have, you, you might have some difficulty connecting it to a computer. Although, uh, according to what Lee said, it's probably the hardest part of actually, uh, doing a lot of work with it is getting it to uh, connect with a particular computer. It sort of depends on the computer, I think, and whether or not, uh, you can, you can uh, detect it easily or not. But, right. um, but oh. yeah, that does, that does help out in the, uh, hacking department. I forgot about one other component that you would notice if you were looking at the, um, circuit board. Okay. A capacitor. Ah, yes. There's a, actually a quite large capacitor on the end opposite of the, uh, the IR sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, the capacitor is, is, uh, probably, probably provides some power to things like the accessories that you can plug into the base of the Wii remote. For example, again, the nunchuck, um, which on its own does not have any, uh, battery power. It's, it draws all its power from, uh, or does it have battery power? And I can't remember. It's been so long since I've used my Wii. Um, what, the, the Wii the, remote? The nunchuck. Device. The nunchuck doesn't have a, a, a battery on board. I didn't think it did, but I, as soon as I said, it, I was like, whoa, wait, if I'm wrong about that, people are going to write in. <laughs> yes, um, they will. It, it's um, been so long. This shows how long it's been since I've used my Wii remote. Well. Uh, I, I do have in my notes that the connector is a proprietary – oh, I said that. But it does provide 3.3 volts of power and 400 kilohertz of 12C serial communication. Okay. So that's where the nunchuck is drawing its energy from. The, the yep. battery provides the power to the capacitor. The capacitor can provide power to the nunchuck. Um, also, I mean, the nunchuck's going to draw power from the, the Wii Remote's batteries as well. Yeah, and uh, if you are using batteries um, instead of a rechargeable battery of some type um, – you know, like they have the the third party and uh, um, the the battery packs that you can actually plug in and battery to charging stations. Right. Um, but if you were using just a, a standard pair of AA batteries, you're gonna get about twenty to forty hours of battery life. Yeah, that's not that's not terrible. No, I mean, when you no. think about it, I mean, considering I, you know the the sort of functions that you're using this this Wii remote for. Mm-hmm. Now if, mm-hmm. if you're using the Wii remote for something static, like you're using the Wii remote as a detector, um the way a lot of hacking projects use it, uh it probably will last longer than if you were to, you know, use it in uh as a, a full um video game controller. Because then you're activating the accelerometer, the rumble pack, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna drain more power than if it's just being used as a um a sensor. Right. Now, where should we go from here? Well, I figured um, now that's, I mean, that is exactly how it works. You're talking about, uh, again, the sensor bar has the LED lights inside it, so mm-hmm. it's a transmitter, not really a sensor. Oh, we, we should point out the function of the sensor bar because somebody might say, hey, you know, it's got all that stuff inside the controller. Why do you need the sensor bar? Okay. The sensor bar helps orient the Wii remote and the Wii, so the Wii knows pretty much where the player is. Right. Um, you know, if you start, uh, anybody who has a Wii, uh, and, and especially in someone who has a, uh, someone like me who has a pretty small living room, if you, you'll find that you step, if you step close to the TV, suddenly your Wii may go, wait a minute, I don't, where, hey, where did you go? Right. Well, it's the, the, uh, the sensor bar and the, the camera on the Wii remote are basically telling the Wii roughly where you are. Right. And if you make a sudden, uh, shift forward or backward, Suddenly, the Wii might take a minute to reorient you, and that's uh, that's what that lag time is: is the sensor bar and, and the IR camera basically figuring out what happened to you. And the Wii Motion Plus 
takes care of a lot of that. That it does help. That helped quite a bit so that it could give more accuracy, uh, as far as depth goes. Mm-hmm. Now, and, uh, so yeah, the, the sensor bar is actually got lights inside it. Um, LED infrared lights. So yes. not, we're not talking visible lights. It's outside the visible spectrum, but, uh, they're constantly sending light out and the sensor at the end of the Wii remote picks up that light. And that's what, and uh, through the Bluetooth chip can transmit mm-hmm. to the Wii, um, the, the orientation of the remote based upon things like the accelerometer and h- how much of the light it's sensing from the sensor bar. Yeah. Now, uh, if you were to decide to hack this, you're looking mostly at the Wii remote as your, uh, your device, you know, you don't even need the, the Wii anymore. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you're, if you're talking about a hack job where you want to use the, the, the Wii remote as a sensor, mm-hmm. what you ne- would need is some sort of, uh, of either reflective tape or an LED IR light, mm-hmm. infrared light. So an infrared LED, we're not talking about your average LEDs that no. light up red or green or blue or whatever. It would be lighting up in the infrared spectrum. Uh huh. Now, I've seen some really cool applications for this. Okay. Uh, now, like? the one in the article was actually pretty neat where it's talking about um, using uh, uh, the LED, an LED marker. So you're, it looks like a, a marker, like, you know, like a, like a Sharpie marker. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it has an uh, LED infrared light at the end of it. And then you could project on a, a screen a, um, a projected uh, whiteboard. And you could write on the whiteboard yep. with the LED light. Very cool. That's pretty nifty. Yeah. Uh, but the one that I really like was an uh, a wee theremin. A wee theremin. Yeah. Interesting. So I haven't seen that one. It was a theremin where uh, the and a theremin, if you aren't familiar, is uh, this wacky musical instrument that um, you usually play by having a. a <laughs> you have you have a pair of uh, sensors really mm-hmm. um and as you get closer and further away from them you can adjust the pitch and volume uh of a sound and it's that weird like wah, 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 noise you hear in the old like 1950s b science fiction movies <laughs> and almost in 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 some ways it reminds me of a saw people playing a saw right but uh, you can Hawaiian, identify the difference i mean it sounds electric it, yeah. it, there is a difference in but right. it, the the eeriness of it sort of reminds me of a saw what it's like. And our keen eared listeners will pick up on the Stephen King reference I just threw in there. Oh yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's the idea of the the traditional theremin is by moving your hands further, closer, further away, or mm-hmm. up and down these various uh, um, bars, you can make a, a this weird sound. Well, it's kind of a similar idea with the 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 Nintendo Wii hack. The Wii remote acts as the sensor and you use a pair of gloves where uh, the, the guy who, who did this hack, he used a pair of gloves and he put an LED light at the tip of the forefinger mm-hmm. of each of the gloves. Okay. All right. And then by orienting his hands, he could move one LED up and that would be the, the uh, I think it was the volume, and he could move the other LED closer or further away from the the, sen- the Wii remote, and that ended up being the um, the pitch. Mm-hmm. And so he created a virtual theremin. Awesome. Which, if you've ever looked into the plans for building a theremin, these things are fiendishly complicated. They are <laughs> not easy to build. Um, I actually know a guy. I know a guy who did build one, and it took him quite a while to do it because mm-hmm. it's just it's it's a pretty complicated build. Um, but by using some software 
the that uh, I think the guy actually wrote the software mm-hmm. um, who, who created the hack. And this I saw on YouTube. I just did a YouTube where I did a I think I was searching theremins at the time and I saw this cool Wii remote hack. But uh, using the Wii remote as the sensor, it's the one that's picking up where the LED lights are coming from um, and then running that through this software. He was able to create the uh, theremin, um, the, the, the virtual theremin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I've seen uh, seen quite a few Wii instrument type hacks. Um, the guy who had created this entire percussion uh, ensemble, mm-hmm. where different kinds of instruments, where he had it was really involved, lots and lots of servos uh, and other little uh, robotic. Things used to strike the drums, uh, you know, and um, he had it set up where he could use the Wii remote to control what would be played at what time. And it was mm-hmm. very, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, quite a few videos on YouTube like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, why would somebody bother if you if you these parts are basically off the shelf parts? Why would you say that people actually bother taking the time to hack the Wii remote? Instead of going to get an accelerometer and, you know, the LEDs to well, do this. It's, it's already made for you. <laughs> That's a big thing. So it's, it's essentially like, uh, like going to, for example, the maker shed and getting an Arduino board and, you know, it's already, you've got the, the components that you need to do it. And all you have to do is pull it apart and do what you're going to do with it. That's part of it, okay. I think. But I think another part, I mean, you've already, like I said, you've already got the, the components put together. You've got the Bluetooth component, which is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, you've got the, the infrared sensor there and it's already all wired together in a circuit board. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in a very compact format and it's cheap. Yeah. You know, it's already put together in a, in a relatively cheap way. We've talked a little bit about some industries like say the, um, virtual reality. Industry, although mm-hmm. it's most people tend to call it virtual environments now, or sure. they call it something totally different. Well, it's hard to get funding for virtual reality and virtual environment projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the public uh, perception of virtual reality was not accurate back when the term really took off in the nineties, mm-hmm. right? Because we all heard about virtual reality, and we all heard that we were going to be living in this virtual space. And uh, once people found out what, what, how far along virtual reality actually was, the bottom dropped out of it because it, it did not live up to what our expectations were because uh, a few people kind of overhyped it. Mm-hmm. And as a result, those projects lost a lot of uh, uh, support and it became more and more difficult to get funding for those projects, even though the work was still very much very important. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't as far along as everyone thought it was. Yeah. Uh, well, industries like the virtual reality industry started turning toward the video game industry for a lot of their um, a lot of their uh, their equipment. Yeah. They just cannibalize whatever they could out of the video game industry. And the Wiimote is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use the Wiimote to, uh, to create a kind of virtual environment. One, a good example actually that's in that article that you mentioned mm-hmm. was a pair of glasses that allowed you to create a parallax view of a virtual environment mm-hmm. where you would put, uh, essentially you have a pair of glasses and on either side of the glasses would be one of these LED emitters, uh, infrared right. emitters. Mm-hmm. You'd use the Wii remote as the sensor 
you would build a virtual environment uh, and you would link the Wii remote to the virtual environment. You put on a pair of glasses so you're viewing the virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And as you turn your head, because the Wii remote catches the LEDs and finds the different orientation, oh, it would change your view of the virtual environment as you turn your head. So it's like you're looking into a 3D environment. Huh. So you That's know, really as you, cool. you look at a flat screen, but you turn your head left or right, and because the orientation of the lights is different with the Wii remote, it changes your view on the screen and it looks like a 3D environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. I've actually seen that kind of uh, displayed once before. It's a little hard to explain. Uh, there are videos on YouTube of this this uh, this effect. Um, it's a pretty cool, very simple virtual reality implementation. Mm-hmm. But it's the sort of thing that that the VR experts really get excited about because it's within it's you know much more affordable and it's really accessible. It's not like there's only one of these devices in the world. You can just run down to an electronics store and buy one. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, buy buy a Wii remote off the shelf and then with some software and a little hacking, that you're done. You you've got yourself a virtual <laughs> virtual reality machine. Yep. Yep. And I was thinking too that uh the the other factor that uh, plays into this is the hacking factor, which is the idea that you're taking something that already exists apart and doing something with it that was not originally intended. Oh yeah, which just adds to the fun of of yeah, doing that. That's the classic ha- hacking ethos. Yes, I mean that goes way back before computers even talking oh, about yeah. like hacking the telephone system, where <laughs> you you create ways of making it do things that it wasn't meant to do. We should totally do a podcast on that. Oh, about phone freaks. Uh huh. Yeah, we could do that. That's a good example. All right, write it down. Okay. (laughs) In a future podcast, we will talk about phone freaking. Okay. Steve Jobs will feature heavily in that, I'm sure. (laughs) Maybe we can get Waz on the phone. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Um, Well, we've already talked about uh, Project Natal in previous podcasts. Right. But we haven't really gotten into the latest developments on the Sony Move. Like, for example, we actually have a name for it now. Right. Um, we used to call it just the wand. Yeah. Well, it, it looks sort of like a wand. It's, uh, it's got a glowing ball on one end, but, right. uh, it will officially make its debut this fall. Um, it, the kit's going to cost a hundred dollars. It's got, it'll have a game in it and uh, a camera. It also uses a camera to help capture movement more like, uh, more like Natal than the Wii, which is sort of backwards from that. Right. Um, right. But where the, uh, where the camera is on the, uh, the device end, like the, the television end rather than on the, um, the controller end. Yeah. But people seem, uh, especially the, the PlayStation 3 fans, the hardcore fans seem pretty excited about it. Um, you know, gonna be able to do, uh, motion controller work with a lot of the games. Um, and it, it too will also have a, another, um, sub controller for the other hand. Um, so, you know, you'll, ha- you'll be able to use both hands, not just the one, right. uh, when you're playing, uh, PlayStation 3 games. But, um, Interesting how this all has moved so rapidly and has become such an important part of uh, console gaming and even even computer gaming because now that people are are doing that and and using, um, you know, the motion sensing capabilities of these different components. Yeah, I think Sony and Microsoft both. I mean, they they both clearly had these projects in development before the the Wii um, yeah. debuted because I mean these are long term projects. They're not something that you you know just turn around very quickly. Mm-hmm. However, I think that the success, the especially the early success of the Wii, probably put them on the fast track mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on, in Sony and Microsoft's case. Uh, one of the interesting things I, I noticed about 
Project Natal. I, I just did a quick look to see if you know more information about it. Yeah. Just sort of the stuff that we figured out since the uh, unveiling at E3 last year, um, which was 2009. Pretty- just been pretty case. quiet, really. Yeah, you know, to the at least to the consumer. But the uh, one of the interesting things I saw was a uh, I read up on um, on how the brain interprets the you know it's what Microsoft refers to as the brain, Natal's brain, not not the human brain, but how the Natal brain interprets motion and uh, and your posture in order to transfer that into a uh, a, a in game action, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Essentially what it does is when the camera is pointing at you, Natal software is scanning your body and, uh, and matching it with a, uh, a database of virtual skeletons. Really? Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's this whole database of different skeletons that it, it has within its memory and it kind of matches you to the one that it thinks it fits you the best. Hmm. It looks at your form and then says, okay, uh, this point here, that's a hand. That point over there, that's the other hand. This must be an elbow. That must be a shoulder. There's like 30 different points that it matches up to a virtual skeleton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, so because it doesn't automatically know. It's not like the camera magically knows that your hand is your hand. It's interpreting it based upon uh, previous information. And uh, the more you use the, the Natal feature, the more it kind of figures out. You know, oh, well, this I thought that that was his hand. Turns out this is actually his hand. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, it doesn't know automatically. Right. No, it's it, yeah. you know, it's not not doesn't magically understand. You know, we're all, we all different shapes and sizes. So and depending on what you're wearing, that might also kind of confuse it like a shirt might make it think that your elbow is in one location when in reality it's in another. And when it sees that you bend a certain way, it's like, well, either his arm is broken or his elbow is actually over here. Mm hmm. So it looks at your body, it, it compares it to its database of virtual skeletons, it matches you up, and it does this in just a couple of milliseconds. Um, and it has wow. to, because if it didn't, then the games wouldn't work, because it yeah. does this 30 times a second. Wow. Because as you move, it has to adjust right. your the skeleton. That makes sense. That's just awfully quick. Right, yeah, it's really, really fast. Even so... Uh, I've heard people who have used the Natal system, or at mm-hmm. least the, the prototypes, say that there is a perceptible lag. Mm-hmm. It's not a big surprise because it turns out that we can perceive a lag of just a few milliseconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to drop that down as low as possible if you want to avoid, like within virtual reality, you got to drop it down because if you don't, you get virtual seasickness. Oh, okay. Because as you turn your head and then the virtual environment changes to reflect that. If it's not seamless, it makes you feel a little disoriented. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can actually get motion sickness from virtual reality if it's not matched up close enough. Same thing with Natal. If you see uh, an action on the screen and you react to it, if it's not really fast, then you're going to, you know, you're going to get killed in yeah. the game. Yeah. <laughs> You see something coming at you and you react and then in turn the game has to react to your reaction. If it's not really seamless, then uh, it's going to be a very frustrating gaming experience. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, it's, it ends up being a little more of a lag than, say, the Wii Remote. It's it's not as instant a feedback loop mm-hmm. as with the Wii Remote. So, mm-hmm. Okay, then. Well, I think uh, that's all I got for the moment. That's all I got, too. So I guess this will take us to a little... Listener mail. 
This listener mail comes from Andrew, and Andrew says, Hey guys, I listened to your amateur radio episode last night, and I'm just curious, what is the purpose of having licenses for different radio frequencies and such? Is it just a way for the government to make some extra cash, or is it dangerous to the environment or people? I'm just curious why it matters whether someone transmits radio signals without a license. What harm is being done besides the government not making money? Thanks, guys. Well, I wrote back to Andrew already, but I thought this might be an interesting thing for our listeners to hear. Um, it's really a matter of of just uh, uh, managing all those different radio frequencies. If you're broadcasting over a certain radio frequency uh, within a, a particular geographic location, let's say it's a radio frequency that doesn't really go that far. Right. But within your town, um, other people can't really broadcast on that frequency. Um, or you, if someone already is broadcasting on that frequency, you're essentially creating interference for that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can only really transmit or receive over one frequency uh at a, at a time. I mean, you can receive from one frequency and transmit over a different one. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can have a conversation with somebody. But, uh, it's really managing that and making sure that you don't have this cacophony of noises and interference, uh, happen over any particular frequency. Yeah. We talked about how ham radio got its name. And for the people who were basically talking over everyone else, you know, they were the hams who right. didn't know what they were doing and. Yeah. And so the license is really so that you understand this kind of stuff. It's for the government to know that you know what you're doing and that you're not going to end up, say, broadcasting over a dedicated bandwidth for something like radio frequencies or television frequencies or emergency frequencies. Yeah. And that was the point also of having the the network. Right. So that's really the whole point of the licensing is really to to make sure that you know what you're doing and you're not going to end up causing trouble for everybody else. So it's not just a, an idea of, uh, you know, not uh, some sort of money-making scheme, because I'm pretty sure the government's not making money hand over fist with licensing fees. Right. But um, good question. If any of you have any questions for us, write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And uh, we have an article on howstuffworks.com about the, the Nintendo Wii. So if you want to learn more about it, I recommend you go there and check it out. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?